Welcome back to True Reviews Podcast. I'm your host, True Justice, and this is episode 257. Got lots to talk to you guys about. Um, so much random topics, too. Uh, I took some notes throughout the week, uh, but I'll be diving into some movies. We're going to talk about uh, The Nun 2, talk about um, It Lives Inside, Equalizer 3, um, a couple other older movies that I checked out recently with my wife, with my wife wrapping up my vacation. Um, and then, uh, USC 293, I think that's really the only fights I have to talk about. So yeah, probably won't go too long. Shit. But yeah, fuck. I started week three of this 28 day challenge, uh, today. I briefed you guys on the last episode, um, weighed in today, lost another pound, lost another inch off my waist. So that was cool. Um, it was interesting, a little defeating because I thought I was feeling better the second week, feeling more, um, even lean, like I'm still huge, but I'm feeling more lean doing my workouts this week. So I thought it was going to be even a bigger weight loss in the first week. And this is where, this is where it really gets tricky. And it's been, um, I don't know the word I want to use. I know it can feel deceiving to myself, but it's, um, I guess misleading is just, this is good. Um, one of those times where you kind of mentally break because you feel like it's not working. And this is one of those things I've had to work really hard to get out of my head because I know it doesn't work that way. And so I, right away, (laughs) when I got on the scale, I was like upset and disappointed. And I was like, fuck, this ain't even worth it. Right away, I went straight back to that avenue in my brain and it sucks. Um, so I had to talk to myself and remember that it, it's a process and this shit's going to take time. And there were still results that were positive and they, they still weren't good enough, but I didn't let it get me down. I still maintained today. In fact, we went to the fair and we went to Outback Steakhouse and I still hit my protein goals and did not exceed my calorie count, um, even without a workout in today. So that was good. Feeling good. Um, I really like how this laid out for me, just the timing wise. I mean, my my first week of starting the challenge, I was on vacation and my kids were not in school. So I had a lot of freedom. So I had no excuses other than temptation to not abide by the the meal planning and the protein goals, um, shit like that. Week two, my kids were back in school, but I was still on vacation. So it was like, oh shit, I still got freedom. Um, I'm adjusting to their schedule a little bit. And now week three, I go back to work tomorrow and it'll be the real test of maintaining and implementing that consistency and that stuff while I go back to work. Cause my job is highly stressful on the brain and the heart. And so it, uh, everything just gets a little harder to, um, stick to and stay positive when we're stressed. And so that's my biggest thing I'm worried about, but I'm feeling really confident and strong, still loving this shit, even to know I lost a pound, another inch, and I'm still feeling good physically. I, um, I still had, I had beers on fight night. I've had, I've had bacon. I've, um, God, I'm trying to think of anything else that nothing too crazy. Um, my, one of my favorite things that I'm enjoying about this is I'm getting full quicker um, which is just blowing my fucking mind because I, I just grew up not getting full like ever. It seemed like, and it, 
I didn't learn until later in adulthood that that's not when you're supposed to keep eating to anyways. You're not supposed to keep eating till you're full. You're supposed to keep eating till you're not really hungry anymore. And I was like, whoa, like I don't even know how to fathom that thought. That's how long this problem has been going on. But I'm excited. I won't dive too much into that right now. Um, but I'm excited. Week three has begun and I'm feeling good. And I'm not going to let the, the um, less than expected results on the scale get me down because I'm still proud of the work I'm doing still enjoying this. And my favorite thing is I'm just, I'm still, I'm not counting down to the day that it's done so I can go back to normal or anything like that. I want this to be my new normal. And that's what I'm most excited about. So shout out to Ravine Training, my cousin Gilbert. I think he's got a great program and I'm excited to see how it works long-term. Uh, like I said, my kids are back at school and my daughter started middle school and they started this new school bus system, which has been uh very, very frustrating. And I, I don't know how it is throughout the nation. Um, when, when the pandemic hit school in general, just like jobs, just our whole country seemed to go out of whack. Um, systems and structures and jobs, employees, everything just went to shit. And during that time, I know we were already struggling with, uh, school bus drivers here anyways. And a lot of them, were uh, quitting. A lot of them were late. A lot of them were uh, picking up kids from different school, different things because they were short staff, all these different things. And they, they increased the wages for bus drivers like crazy, trying to get more people to apply, which I never think is the answer um, because I've been on the other end of that. Whereas we have started offering more money to get more people to apply. And I've gotten worse candidates that don't um, fit the mold exactly the same. They're just coming for the increased wage. And I just don't agree with that platform. Um, and it also shows us that they've been able to pay us more, um, that, and they just weren't before that. That's an issue to me as well. <laughs> but aside from that, this new school bus system we got, I also learned that the school buses and the drivers weren't employees of the school district. They were a contracted company that the school district hired. I never knew that growing up. I always figured my school bus driver, whoever it was, worked for the school. And so we were, we're learning about these things. And I'm learning this as a parent who's got a fucking 16-year-old kid in middle school and a kid in elementary school. I'm just finally learning these things. It's fucking ridiculous. So it sounds like our bus drivers were doing such a shitty job that the school finally cut ties with them. They're like, no, this isn't working. We need somebody new. So they hired this new company. And they are uh, they have all these apps and these tracking things to make parents feel more, um, aware and in the moment of, in the know of what's going on with their kids. Like my daughter's got like a badge to swipe to say she's on the bus and it's supposed to send an alert to the parents to say your kid is on the bus when they arrive to school, when they pick them up from school, when they drop them off at home. I hate that shit. I can't stand it. I don't know what we have become where we are so obsessed with tracking everybody's movements all the time, but it's not healthy. I can't stand it. But because they make all these promises, it seems like, and you know, I learned this a long time ago. Somebody had told me, they're like, you know, the problem with all these things with the fancy um, gadgets and things like that is that just, it's more opportunity for things to go wrong. And I was like, huh. Yeah, that is, you know, I never really thought of it like that because we just see the shiny stuff and we're like, cool, cool, cool. But it doesn't last as long. There's just, there is more things that can go wrong and they do go wrong. And once you get one thing fixed, something else seems to go out of whack, whatever it may be. But in this sense, of course, day one, bus driver gets there late, 
Kids get to school late on their first day. My daughter is, I can't even imagine, she was probably stressed out because she stresses out about that kind of stuff. And then after school, they're like 45 minutes late picking them up after school. Well, they also have this rule of no cell phones being used, and my daughter's a rule follower. So she's got her phone off, and my wife's panicking because the bus hasn't got her. Almost an hour's gone by since I'm supposed to pick her up. My daughter's phone is off because it's supposed to be, so she can't get a hold of her. All this shit, all because we were promised something was going to happen. And, of course, the first day it did not go perfectly at all. Well, it's just been a shit show. It's uh, week two of school for the kids over here right now. And they just finally, for the first time, got my daughter to school on time. Just finally got her to school on time. My my solution is I'll get her to school myself. But she wants to take the bus. She wants to experience these things with her peers. And I get it. Um, I get it. I just told her, I was like, you can't have it both ways, though. If you're going to experience this and choose to take the bus, you don't get to complain about how it's uh, a pain in your ass. Or it's stressing you out because you're doing it to yourself. So it's going uh, better. It's just, it just is a nightmare. These new systems are driving me crazy. I just need to vent about it. Um, <clears throat> I read a, read a couple interesting things about our technology as well. Um, that AI had a, generated a song with The Weeknd and Drake. And apparently the song was submitted to the Grammys. And it's eligible because it was written by a human. So The Weeknd and Drake apparently are not on the song. It's just their AI-generated voices. And it, it could potentially win an award, one of the most prestigious awards in the music realm. Um, that's a trip to me. <laughs> that is a fucking trip. Uh, so we can end up seeing a whole lot of weird shit going on um, coming down the road where these awards that have already been um, kind of you know, not of much interest to me. I used to like to watch the award shows for the performances and things like that, but um, I'm one of those people that's not a big fan of them anyways. But these can end up turning into a big shit show where real artists aren't even winning anymore because everything's going to be AI-generated. I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like a lot of directions this future is bringing, but I also read that Roblox, the infamous game that our children are addicted to, is activating a dating feature for the 17 and older users. Um, I don't even know where to begin with my issues with that. Um, but, yeah, so there's something to look forward to because kids find a way to activate features when they're not 17 and older. And not to mention just just the nightmare of things, how this is going to become a social media aspect in itself like i imagine a world with vr and sims coming to life and these things it is just a fucking trip um aside from that what do i have what do i have a uh, shout out to um women's boxing right now amanda serrano is going to be fighting ramos soon in uh, october and i'm so stoked because they are finally doing 12 rounds three minute rounds for this championship fight um making history apparently it's been done before I don't know how long it's been since they did it. I just know that over the last however long I've been watching boxing, female championship bouts are 10 rounds, and they're all two-minute rounds, um, if it's non-championship or not. And so this is potentially 16 more minutes of fighting than any other female championship bout right now. And I remember I remember one time someone had mentioned the need for this um, to prove like equality for women in the sports world, um, but a very popular female boxer, had stated they weren't interested until that um, 
or interested in that until they were paid equally. So I, I love that this is happening because I thought that that response was funny yet bullshit because you can't expect the same pay without filling the same seats. And Amanda Serrano is a female fighter who I believe makes more money than a lot of male fighters because she draws the crowd. She's, she's headlined a pay-per-view before. I mean, she is phenomenal. She puts asses in the seat. She gets people to watch the fights. So it's, it's that same dispute we go through with the NBA and the WNBA. The WNBA doesn't have nearly as much of a fan base as the NBA. So no shit, they're not going to get paid the same. It has nothing to do with being a female. It has to do with can you put on a show the same way? Do you draw a crowd the same way? Whatever that entertainment factor is. And that's where we come into this new world of these fighters using utilizing their OnlyFans because they realized I can utilize this platform and make more money over I guarantee you. Ebony Bridges is making more money on OnlyFans than Devin Haney. I guarantee it. I don't have the numbers, but I guarantee it. And I don't think Devin Haney's complaining about it, saying we should get equal pay on OnlyFans. So moving on <laughs> to the next thing. Uh, video game world. I've been playing a lot of video games on my vacation. I finished GTA 5 again. I'm about wrapped up with Red Dead Redemption 2 again. Uh, I heard Red Dead Redemption 3 is confirmed, likely to be out on the PS6. And GTA 5, or GTA 6 is rumored to cost uh, 150 bucks when it gets released. And I actually see no issue. Not at all. There was some outrage from people about it. Um, one of my guys hit me up saying, there's no way in hell he'll pass. I doubt he'll pass. He'll probably get it given to him. <laughs> but he's not going to not play it. But my whole my whole thing here is I know people that buy NBA 2K every year. And they don't just buy the standard edition. They buy the $100, $150 versions of it every fucking year. What does that calculate over the last 10 years? I paid probably 40 bucks for GTA 5, and I played that same game for 10 years. Never bought any additional things to it. Never paid for any online gameplay for it ever. So... Break that down. That's $4 a year where these fools are spending 100 plus a year on the same fucking game. I guarantee you GTA 6 is going to be phenomenal. I guarantee the gameplay is going to be insane. You look at what they had going 10 years ago for these games with Rockstar and how they did this shit. I can't even fathom what they're going to be like, and I'm stoked. I'd pay $200. Um, man, some, uh, some very interesting news in the celebrity realm. Danny Masterson. Um, he was uh, infamously known for uh, playing Stephen Hyde on uh, that 70s show from uh, 1998 to 2006. Um, he's been sentenced to 30 years for the rape of two women who, uh, out of three women who accused him back in 2003 is when the, uh, the assaults allegedly occurred. Or do we say allegedly now that he's been sentenced? I'm not sure. But um, when, they, when they occurred, when this all happened... He uh, he didn't get charges, I don't believe, brought to him until like 2018 because he was on the ranch and he ended up getting pulled from that show when this when this surfaced. So 15 years it took for these charges to come about. And then another five after that. That's a 20-year process. You know, these women had to go through 20 fucking years um, to see a sentence of 30 years, which is just mind-blowing to me. The system, how it works, is just so disappointing. But... Some follow-up stuff I was seeing. So Ashton Kutcher and uh, Mila Kunis, you know, they're they're married. They had apparently wrote character statements for Masterson, and um, this got some backlash, of course, because they're explaining how he's a role model and a great guy and all these things, and he's being sentenced 
for 30 years for rape right now. So of course they, they're going to get some backlash and they had posted a video, which I did not care for about them explaining how they were only writing these letters to explain the man that they knew for 25 years, only for the judge to take into consideration, not to take anything away from the victims or to advocate um, for that kind of behavior, anything like that. And just more and more started resurfacing with all this stuff. And I think, um, it's really going to hurt Ashton Kutcher a lot more because all this footage and all these back back scene interviews and things are popping up now of when he was 19 to 20, 21 years old on that 70s show. And Mila Kunis was 14 or 15 years old. And, you know, he's talking about her ass and he's talking about how sexy she is. And him and Danny Masterson are talking about, you know, sticking their tongue in her mouth and all this shit like it is. A lot of this shit's going to come up. And then people are like, oh, I thought Ashton Kutcher was an advocate against sex trafficking and all these things. And it's like, ah, yeah, like, God, you know, we forget how much of this shit has been occurring for how long. And we kind of get blinded by the spotlights of these Hollywood celebrity fame. Like we, we forget how normal that behavior has always been in that realm. And yeah, so it's going to be interesting. I, I'm very curious to see if Danny Masterson's going to actually have to serve or how much time he'll actually serve, um, how that's going to go. I'm actually, how it's going to go for Ashton and Mila um, after uh, writing the letters for him. Cause I, I see why they would, that was a friend of theirs. Um, there was somebody they've known deeply for a very long time as somebody they shared a lot of experiences with. And, you know, my guess would be that they weren't aware of this happening or maybe they didn't believe it happened and all these things. And they wanted to support their friend, you know, imagine that position they puts them in. Um, however, they have to know what their level of fame that is going to get out and what it's going to look like, especially if they're pushing so heavily against child or uh, sex trafficking in general. So, um, yeah, it's just interesting. Ashton Kutcher is 45 years old now. Mila Kunis is 40. And, of course, you look at that now and you're like, oh, that's not really a big deal. They got married back in, like, 2015, so they were still both in their 30s at the time. But when their relationship really began, it sounds like he was probably 19, 20, and she was, like, 14 or 15. And that's where it's like, ah, uh, yeah, but that shit's been happening for a long fucking time. Uh, moving on, finished up Stranger Things with my wife. Um, I had a blast, man. I, I know I watched it all when it came out originally, and it was just kind of a blur. What Rewatching with her has been awesome because I, I feel like I caught things that I maybe missed the first time around, uh, maybe... I binged it too quickly. I do that with shows that drop all together. I like to watch it all that day or that weekend, whatever it may be. My wife's not the same. She could do a couple episodes a day here and there. Every once in a while, I'll have a binge. But she she was working on this for quite a while. So I was, ex I was excited to finish it up with her. Just phenomenal. and just got me so excited for season five. And I'm so curious on what they're going to do with it because season four was so epic with so much shit going on. Um, just, I'm stoked for it. And I just, all I ask is that they, they release season five with 11 episodes. That's all I ask for. Hear me do it. Put it in the universe. You have to do it. Final season, 11 episodes. Uh, Meg Thee Stallion and Cardi B are at it again, using their, uh, booty bongos for their new single called bongos. Um, I don't even know why that popped up on my shit because I don't really listen to their music. But as soon as it popped up, I was like, oh, this is going to be a fucking smash hit with a record-breaking amount of music video views because um, just them shaking their ass around. I don't even know how the song goes. That's how terrible it is. Uh, but they have mastered their fucking... Uh, 
um, their craft, their art, and uh, they're killing it. But what pisses me off still is Cardi. I talked about this episode before. Cardi B complains about her fame all the time. She complains about it. And it's like, you want to complain about it, but you keep diving into it. And I get it because you don't really hate it. You just want something to complain about because you ain't got nothing else to complain about. Um, but yeah, uh, let's dive into some movies. Ah, that's what I need. Some movie discussion. Let's start with The Nun 2. Um, I didn't realize how many people do not like The Nun. So I'm guessing a lot of people are not going to like The Nun too. Uh, and I, I'll, I'm, not, I'm not opposed to admitting that I believe The Nun is probably one of the worst movies of the Conjuring universe. Um, when it comes to competing with like the Annabelle's and the, the actual conjuring flicks, like, yeah, it just doesn't compare. It's just not quite there. It's the slower one, a little bit more boring. And of course it's more religious based. It's about a nun, <laughs> no shit. So, um, aside from like La, La Llorona, like when that came out, I enjoyed it. I liked it, but I have a bias towards it. And so a lot of people hated that the most. Um, I really enjoyed The Nun, too. I thought it was great. I gave it a four out of five. I thought it was a very a great sequel because the first one was slow enough to where you feel like, yeah, this is definitely an origin story. It's definitely um, building up to something later, trying to explain where this nun is coming from, all this shit. We get it. Um, but I, I enjoyed The Nun as well. The Nun, too, I thought was better. I thought it was engaging. Um, the ending felt kind of rushed and kind of ridiculous, but a lot of horror movies do that. It's just really hard to end a horror movie. It's really hard to do. Um, but yeah, I liked it and I thought it was great on the big screen. A lot of the conjuring universe has just fucking, they are so good at their jump scares. So fucking good at them. And so loved it. Had my heart racing. Um, let's see. What was the next one I saw? Uh, oh, my regal mystery movie. It was, uh, it lives inside. So I actually went to go see this with my cousin's wife, which was interesting. I, I usually go with my cousin, and she was, uh, I think she had to stay home for some work they're having done at their house, so she told her wife she can go with me this time. And so um, we, I had a feeling it was this, because Regal released a clue, said it was PG-13, and it had said something like, nothing scarier than being a teenager. And so I was doing some research on movies coming up, and It Lives Inside talked about kids and there was a horror movie rated pg so i was like i'll bet it's that and it ended up being that and i thought it was cool i thought it was a cool movie i gave it a three out of five and i gave it a three out of five because i thought there was a lot of things that they didn't do well in it but i really appreciated the representation of the middle east and indian culture um being put into it i thought that was cool i love representation in film i love it and everything i love learning about different cultures it's just cool because i didn't grow up um, noticing that they were missing. I didn't know that like I'm, I'm an adult now and I'm hearing about different countries, different religions, different languages, different, um, just all these different countries I've never even heard of so many of them. And it's cause they're not represented well. They're not, um, we're not educated about them enough. And so I love that aspect of it. Thought it was cool. Um, I'd say it's worth a watch for if you're a horror movie fan, definitely check it out. It's worth it. It just it had these goosebump vibes to me. Like it just felt a little bit like a, like an R.L. Stein style of a horror movie at, at most of the time. So you're, you're essentially, you're dealing with a, um, a demon who is uh, feeding off of um, souls. And so it's, yeah, I don't want to release, I don't want to spoil anything. I'm just going to leave it at that. The, the the description they give 
on, let me read what that is actually. What is the description they give on IMGB? IMDB. Um, it lives inside. Oh, I lost it. I typed love. It lives inside. So it says an Indian American teenager struggling with her cultural identity has a falling out with her former best friend and in the process unwittingly releases a demonic entity that grows stronger by feeding on her loneliness. I don't think that does a very good job. Maybe it does. I know this sometimes when they don't give a lot of description is because they don't want to reveal the secrets. But yeah, I thought it was decent, just not great. Not great at all. Uh, three out of five for me, and I believe that's in theaters. Let's actually find out. So that drops in theaters September 22nd. So that's another week and a half, two weeks. Um, but that's why I love the mystery movies. You get to see some some really cool ones before weeks before they come out. Uh, speaking of new movies, that was the other new one I watched, was The Equalizer 3. That's right. Uh, 3.5 out of 5 for me. So, I also, I had to go back and look at the scores I gave the first two before I rated this one. Because I was like, I remember really liking the first one. I don't remember the second one very much. So, I had to go back and look. And I gave the first two fours out of five. So, I must have really enjoyed it because I know I loved the first one. And so, the second one must have been just as good to me. So, this, this one, as soon as it started, actually even seeing all the previews, I was like, oh, dope. I'm a huge Denzel fan. He doesn't really miss, in my opinion. So I was like, cool. He knows this formula. He knows how to knock it out of the park. Um, but I saw the preview so many times, and I was getting irritated because it was doing that thing where they just reveal so much. So much of the shit is put in the preview, and I hate that. I can't stand it. Just give me a taste, especially when it's a sequel or a trilogy. We're already aware. The people who are invested are already invested. And the people who get curious, they're still going to want to check out the other ones because they hear people talking about it. So for me, knowing I love the first one, finding out, yeah, I did enjoy the second one a lot. Then the third one, I was like, okay, cool, got to see it. But I wasn't as excited about it. And it kind of matched up when I was watching it. Um, they did not reveal everything through the preview. Um, they had some really cool action shots, some really cool kills, some really cool uh, sequences going on. The story's not bad. It just reminded me a lot of when I watched Taken 3. And remember, Taken, the first one was so dope. The second one was pretty damn cool as well. The third one, to me, was just trash. It was like, you just, you're just dragging it along too far. And it's just like their, their way of saying we're, we needed to conclude it. We couldn't leave it at two. We needed the trilogy. We needed the, the box set. We needed to finish it up. And that's what this felt like to me, their, their attempt to conclude the story. And I thought it was not bad, just not nearly as good as the other ones. But I gave it a 3.5 out of 5. Had some interesting audio throughout, um, as well as uh, camera camera um, tricks, how they were doing some of the, the filming, which I just didn't feel like matched the vibe very well. But uh, it, there was some cool stuff in it. So worth seeing. Definitely, especially if you like the first two, but it's definitely not one you need to see on the big screen. I think it'll be just as good as um, at home, just as good. Sorry, I didn't bring anything out to drink this time. Um, let's see. The next movie I'll talk about is Devil's Knot. So Devil's Knot, this was uh, my wife's pick, came out in 2013. And I was like, where did, she, where did you hear about this? Why are you thinking about this movie? Now? I guess she said people on TikTok are talking about it. So she loves true crime. Things like that. So we checked it out. And this movie was really interesting to me because the story is pretty fucked up. Like, very tragic. 
Um, it's about three three young boys who get murdered and in a really disturbing way in this small town in the south. And just it's all about the terrible police work that was done, how the system did not work it out at all because the people weren't working very hard. It was just so painful to watch in that sense. But my issue is, so this movie came out in 2013. It's based on a story that was from 1993. And the way the cast was so good. They had so many amazing actors in this movie. But they were nowhere near at their best. They just did not do very well. So my problem is, it looked like it was filmed in the 90s. But it didn't look like it was filmed in the 90s in a cool way. Like Winning Time on HBO Max about the L.A. Lakers dynasty the Magic Johnson, Larry Bird rivalry, all this stuff, that shit's based in the 80s and it's filmed in the 2020s. And it looks like it's in the 80s in the dopest way possible. They did such a great job. And there's, you know, you think about like um, Dazed and Confused. I believe that movie was filmed in the 90s, but is based in the 70s. They did an incredible job. It looks like they're in the 70s. And this one... It looked like their equipment was just from the 90s. And it it just, it seemed like they should have had a better director, a better person editing the film. I feel like a movie like that needed somebody like, uh, actually, let me see who it even is. Because um, not, not that movie, but I want to see who directed it. The new It from 2017. So this was directed by... Andy Muschietti, Muschietti, what else has he done? So we did It, It Chapter 2, Mama. So yeah, so I feel like Devil's Knot would have been phenomenal if somebody like that was directing it. I feel like they would have known how to bring it to life in a way of making it look older, but making sure the actors were up to par. Um, that's just, that was the shit show for me, but the story itself definitely worth hearing. Look into that story. Look at how tragic that is. Cause the, the boys that got locked up for this shit, um, they ended up getting, um, I'm not worried about spoilers right now for the real story. Cause it's a real story from the nineties. The movie came out 10 years ago. Um, but if you don't want to hear this tune out for like two minutes, um, the boys that went down for this shit, they went down for like 18 years and there was like no evidence against them at all. And they ended up getting this deal cut with them after eight years and letting them go, but make, making them remain felons because probably they didn't want to admit their flaws in this whole thing. But all these signs pointed to somebody else did this and somebody else from that somebody else was involved, but they didn't investigate them at all. And it just makes you sick to think that, that's how poorly they were looking into this matter with three young boys who were brutally murdered this way. Um, but the bundle of movies I was best able to think of to compare this to devil's not felt like some similarities of like alpha dog, uh, modern day green mile and my cousin Vinny. That's my best way to combine those films and say, that's kind of the vibe you'll get in this one. But yeah, you can check out devil's not, I think we watched it on Tubi for free. And I think it was on something else. You can rent it all otherwise for like three ninety nine, something like that. But we found it for free. So, yeah, check it out if you're into true crime. Definitely an interesting story. And then this one. Holy shit. Me and my wife were looking for a movie to watch last night. And we stumbled, uh, stumbled on Backroads. So Backroads, did we find that on Netflix? Let me see. 
No, we found that on Peacock. That's what we're looking It's playing everywhere. It's playing on Freebie, Peacock, Plex, Pluto, Prime, Roku, Tubi. Everybody wants you to see this movie, Roadblock. So Roadblock, man, we watched the preview and right away we're like, oh, yeah, that looks good. So check this out. It says, in 1993, Harley's dad is shot and his mom goes to prison. He has to earn money and look after his three kid sisters. No college. Over two years, family secrets are slowly revealed. Will a good therapist be enough? Actually, that's a much better description than the one we read on the Peacock page. On the Peacock one, it just says something about uh, Harley's mom goes to prison and he can't go to college and he has to take care of his sisters and his life starts to spiral out of control. So this is actually a better description. But me and my wife are talking about this because we're watching this film and about halfway through, we're like, this is fucked up. Everything is so fucked up. Like a complete buzzkill to your energy if you don't know where you're getting into. The film is really good. The actors were great in it, and it looks like it won some awards. Um, but it should come with a warning label. It really should. This movie is about some deep-rooted trauma. So watch it with caution. But it is good. And this this is there's some real shit going on in this. Um you know, it's like I've, I've known people who have gone through these kind of things um, and not even just these kind of like so much of this kind of shit. And you can't talk about it because it's not your story. And they don't want to talk about it because of how much shame and guilt comes along with it when it's not their fault. Um, I don't want to reveal anything. This movie came out in 2018. Still new enough to not really to touch on too much, but it's so powerful, so fucked up. Um, just, yeah, just if you're really into dark, real dark shit, shit that's really going on in this world, um, watch this. The, the writing was great. The acting was great. It's just a fucked up story. Backroads streaming now uh, on Peacock. And let's see, what was the final one? The final movie I watched for my vacation. The final movie I watched was 1982's Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Um, so I had realized I'd never seen this movie before and I'd heard of it many times. I've seen the cover a million times. I just, I don't know. It just, I miss, I, I wasn't even born in 1982, so I definitely didn't see it when it came out. And then it just never hit my radar through times. Like I've heard people mention it, but never, never, never saw it. And the only thing I actually remembered from it was the, um, infamous scene where, um, Phoebe Cates, uh, exposes her breasts. Because people talked about that so much. It's one of the most famous topless scenes in movie history. And that's all I ever knew. And I didn't know it was from this movie. So as soon as I saw her at the swimming pool with her red bikini, I was like, oh, this is the movie. Okay. But um, what really, it's a really good coming of age flick. I really did enjoy it. I gave it a um, 3.5 out of 5. And I probably would have gone actually four out of five if it wasn't for the ridiculously corny Forrest Whitaker football scene. <laughs> that, um, just absolutely absurd to me. Uh, so Forrest Whitaker plays a, a like a football star in high school and they make him look huge. And I don't know if all the other actors were that small or if he really was that much bigger than them all, but they made him look like a giant when it came down to they, they, fucked up his car somebody fucked up his car and they didn't want to admit they fucked up his car so they painted it um with school rivalry shit to make it look like the team they're about to play did it to his car 
and which was genius. That's a fucking genius concept because they get away with it and then they pretty much guarantee this dude's going to smash the other team so they're going to win. Um, but the scene was so corny, <laughs> so fucking corny. And that, that, that took a half point away from me right away, just that one scene. Um, aside from that, they talk about some deep shit in this. Um, the pressures of sex and uh, underage girls with adult men and the pressures and things like that. They talk about some real shit, fucking abortion, um, teen pregnancy. They talk about some real shit in this movie. I was very impressed. Um, the things that really bothered me the most is why Sean Penn is on the cover and why Sean Penn is sold as the star of this film. I, I didn't calculate it, but I'm pretty sure he doesn't have more screen time than Jennifer Jason Lay or um, what is his name? Judge, Judge Reinhold. I'm pretty sure to me, they were the stars of the movie. To me, the number one star of the movie was Stacy played by Jennifer Jason Lay. She was the one. And you know, it still blows my mind too. She was topless twice in that movie. And I don't remember anybody ever talking about that my whole life. All they ever talked about was Phoebe Cates. <laughs> so um, that was also a surprise to me as well. But Stacy was the star of this film in my eyes. And then the second star would have been Brad, played by Judge Reinhold, which was Stacy's brother in the movie. So uh, I'm just confused because Sean Penn, he's hilarious in the movie, but he's like a side character. He's a sideshow of the film. He's just this random stoner surfer, and he doesn't really have any real input in the movie, just some side shit going. It's just weird to me how he was the one they pinpointed as the person of this, especially to find out that Nicolas Cage was in this movie. I didn't even know it till I was looking through the cast today, and I saw him. I was like, where the fuck was Nicolas Cage? So Nicolas Cage just played a one of Brad's friends that worked at the burger joint and he didn't have, he didn't, I don't even know if he had any lines. I, I guess a lot of his scenes were cut, but, uh, but yeah, fucking shout out to Nick cage. Cause he was in fast times. Um, that wraps up my movie talk, um, TV shows. I talked about stranger things, still watching winning time. This last episode that just aired uh, yesterday on Sunday. Phenomenal. Holy shit. I think that might be one of the best episodes of, both seasons to me so far and the uh, next week is the finale so i'm stoked just the coolest show if you're a basketball fan sports fan history buff you like comedy drama whatever it may be that they have done some beautiful shit with this show the actors are incredible the way they film it and edit it is absolutely incredible um the music is perfect the the wardrobe is perfect everything about it is so dope and i love it because it says you know it's loosely loosely based on the truth and is drama heavily dramatized about the history of the stuff, but there is some facts in it. And some of it's just the, so much of the stories that you're watching. You're just like, did this really happen or not? And it's funny. Cause I'll bet a lot more of it happened than the, the real people that are being represented and want to admit, cause there's some fucked up shit that goes on, of course, behind the scenes, but it's such a good show. I love everything about it. Still watching the shy season six. Me and my wife are really into that. Um, we're, we just saw, um, Papa's dad got killed and we had a feeling he was going to get killed. My wife called it about mid episode or almost toward the end. And I was like, damn, cause we knew somebody's going to die. This kind of season just feels like a lot of beloved characters are going to go just so much shit going on. But I love that show. It's feeling a little soap opera opera to me like style, but I'm still invested. I still love it. I love the writing. I love the dialogue. I love it all. It's so um, it's so dope. It just sucks you in. 
Um, still watching Reservation Dogs. I think that's almost over, which makes me really sad because I think that's the last season. And that's really it. Me and my wife started watching the new season of The Challenge USA. It's one of my favorite guilty pleasures. And then, yeah, UFC 293. Let's wrap it up with that. I don't have a whole lot to say about it. Um, I missed the early prelims. I briefly watched the prelims. Um, just wasn't, like, locked in. The big uh, the big story about it, aside from the main event for me, was uh, Tafa. Fucking Tafa just absolutely killed it with some knockout power. Just phenomenal. So shout out to Tafa. Um, Tuivasa couldn't pull it off. I called Volkov as the winner. I thought... I just, I just didn't think Tuivasa was going to have it for Volkov. Volkov was just really mismatching awkward size for him, and Tuivasa just struggled too much. And, yeah, he couldn't, he couldn't get it done. So um, I don't know if I, he pulled any shoeys that night or not. I, I, don't, I think he only does it when he wins or when he has a hell of a fight, but that one was a rough one for him. And then the main event, Sean Strickland just shocking the fucking world. Shout out to Sean Strickland because I didn't give him a chance in hell. I thought Adesanya was going to eat him alive or play with his food, and it was just going to be a one-sided show. And it was, but not for Adesanya. Sean Strickland just whooped his ass. Yeah, I have never seen Adesanya run away. He didn't even run away from Jan Blachowicz that much. Like, it was just crazy. So I'm wondering if he just hurt him that badly in the first round where he just could not recover or if something was wrong with him aside from that, whatever it may be. But I don't like taking away uh, – victories from people so i don't want to dive into any of those conspiracies but sean strickland man apologies to you bro because i didn't give you a chance and you fucking earned that shit you whooped his ass you kept the fight moving forward your 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 handwork was wonderful it was just i just didn't see it coming it was awesome so Sean Strickland is the new UFC middleweight champion and now it gets interesting to see who he's going to give the title to uh, title shot to next because Adesanya probably wants a rematch, but I don't want to see that. I think if you perform that poorly, you got to fight somebody else to get a shot again. And I think Adesanya needed another loss to, you know, bring out that rage because he's an incredible fighter, but he doesn't seem very hungry anymore. And he needs that hunger. And I think maybe beating Alex Pajeda the way he did kind of took a lot of that away because he felt like I accomplished what I really needed to accomplish. So we'll see. I'm no expert. I am an expert of none. <laughs> uh, oh, God. Yeah, that's it. Just back to work tomorrow. Back to back to back to life. Back to reality. And... I'll probably leave you with that awkward singing singing moment. That's it. True Reviews Podcast. I will be back.